Hello and welcome to the Conservative Crusader. My name is GOP Josh. Thank you for tuning in. You know, I'm live on Twitter Spaces right now, and I forgot to start recording the podcast. So I don't know if you can get audio from Twitter Spaces or not, but just in case we're restarting the show, we all have technical technical difficulties sometimes with breaking news from the Supreme Court fighting for faith, family, and freedoms on the front lines of the America First movement. Have had a chance to read this article besides a little bit I read on the last recording. But the court, the Supreme Court, will not stop the Texas abortion ban, but it okays the clinic's lawsuit. The Supreme Court has ruled that Texas abortion providers can sue over the state's ban on most abortions, but the justices are allowing the law to remain in effect. The court acted Friday more than a month after hearing arguments over the law that made abortion illegal after cardiac activity is detected in an embryo. That's around six weeks before some women even know they are pregnant. There is no exception for rape or incest. The law has been in place since September, since September 1st. The outcome is at best only a partial victory for abortion providers. The same federal judge who already has once blocked the law is almost certainly will be asked to do so again. But then his decision will be reviewed by the 5th U.S. Circuit Court of Appeals which has twice voted to allow enforcement of the abortion ban. The case could return to the justices so far, and so far there have not been five votes on the nine-member court to put the law on hold where the legal fight plays out. The court's conservative majority also seems likely to roll back an abortion rights in a Mississippi case that was argued last week, although that, although that decision is not expected until the spring. So they rule today, release two opinions at the same time, which is odd for the court, they usually do them in 10 minutes in between, that a whole woman's health can sue on this case, but the United States cannot. So the DOJ cannot sue its political enemies down in Texas because of this abortion ban. It's not their grounds, basically. It's what they're saying at this point, I'm pretty sure. I haven't had a chance to read the whole opinion. It literally came out less than 20 minutes ago. But right now, the Texas abortion ban is still in effect, and that is very, very exciting for the pro-life movement. Okay, that's all I had for that today. But last night, some big news came out in one of the most watched cases right now. Obviously, there's Kyle Rittenhouse's previously, there's Glenn Maxwell's, and there's Jesse Smollett's. Jesse Smollett can rest knowing that his attacker has been convicted. Social media erupts following the verdict. This is a Daily Wire article talking about what happened. We all all know how it happened. He was charged on five counts of disorderly conduct. I'm not sure what the sixth count was for, but he was not found guilty on the sixth count. Actor, After actor Jesse Smollett was found guilty on five counts of disorderly conduct in relation to an alleged hate crime, coax he orchestrated, social media blew up with reactions. Tonight, Jesse Smollett can, rect, uh, can rest knowing that his attacker has been convicted. Daily Wire Emeritus Ben Shapiro mocked. Jesse Smollett guilty on first five accounts. On first five counts, sixth count not guilty, posted the Hill Media columnist Joe Concha. Justice obviously served. Don't expect any apologies from those who brought ridiculous take from day one, starting with the VP and ABC's Robin Roberts, he added. Let me let me see this this tweet from Libs of TikTok. I think that's what they're called at least, right? Yeah. Here's from the 29th of January 2019 from Kamala Harris. Justice Smollett is one of the kindest, most gentle human beings I know. I'm praying for his quick recovery. This is an attempted modern-day lynching. No one should have to fear for their life because of their sexuality or the color of their skin. We must confront this hate. AOC said there's no such thing as racially charged. This attack was not possibly homophobic. It was racist and homophobic attack. If you don't like what's happening in our country, then work to change it. 
It is, not, it is no one's job to water down or sugarcoat the rise of hate crimes. Joe Biden said what happened today to Justice Mullen must never be tolerated in this country. We must stand up and demand that we no longer give this hate safe, give this hate safe harbor. That homophobia and racism have no place in our streets and our hearts. We are with you, Jesse. I don't think it's unbelievable that a hate crime happened. Happened. The most unbelievable part is the fact that Jesse Smollett went down in the middle of the night for a Subway sandwich. If he's as rich and famous and as notable as he as he claims to be, why was he getting his own Subway sandwich? I'm pretty sure... When, when was DoorDash founded? When was DoorDash founded? January 2013. Uber Eats was 2014. Grubhub was 2004. Postmates was 2011. Why would he go out in the middle of the night walking on the side of the street for a Subway sandwich? But... Guilty has justice has been justice has been served. He has guilt. He is guilty as charged. Jesse Smollett lied about being a victim for the same reason LeBron James lied about it, and for the same reason Oprah Winfrey lied about it. We have so twisted the minds of so many people in this country. They think victim is the highest form they can achieve. It's a sickness. James claimed he was a victim of racist vandalism, but the alleged perp was never found. Winfrey has come forward to admit that she regretted talking about an alleged racist incident she suffered after a clerk called her a liar. Jesse Smollett's attacker has been charged, which is a good thing. I mean, uh, he, he shouldn't be able to fake a hate crime. I still don't believe that any sort of Trump supporters were wearing MAGA hats shouting, this is MAGA country in the middle of Chicago's suburb, or not suburbs, in the middle of the Chicago hood at three in the morning. What I can believe, but it's sad to believe, is that Los Angeles schools will turn away police officers during a school threat because they are unvaccinated. There's an article from El American. Policemen were told they couldn't be on school premises for failing to provide vaccination proof. The officers were there as a security measure after a shooting threat was made against Watts Middle School. Vaccination lives, the lives that that vaccine may or may not save, are more important than the lives of children, which are being threatened by school shooters in the building. A source has told El American that on or around 3 p.m. PST Wednesday, December 8th, local law enforcement officers were notified of a potential school shooting threat made against Watts Middle School in Los Angeles, California. Since the threat was made after school hours, there was no immediate danger to the school students, but an investigation was underway immediately as to the credibility of the threat. From what we understand, the investigation is ongoing with the school mentioned. It was decided that a police presence was needed at the school campus to ensure school staff and students' safety against this potential threat. Police showed up early on Thursday, December 9th, and met with the school admin. It is unsure what the specific events were around the same moment when the school director, Angelique Sims, then asked the police officers if they had their proof of vaccination status, citing school policy. The police responded that they did not have proof of vaccination and were then instructed by school director Sims that, they, that per school policy, they could not be allowed on campus if they were unvaccinated. And they wonder why, in these liberal cities with these liberal policies, so many school shootings, so many bad attacks happen. Because you disrespect the police, which I, I, I support the police most of the time until they start to support tyranny. But they didn't have their proof of vaccination, so they couldn't respond to a serious threat sent to their department. If there was an actual shooting on that campus, if something actually happened on that campus that cause the lives of those children to be lost. Can you imagine what would happen out of that? If another Oxford, Michigan scenario happened, 
if another Oxford, Michigan, like I said, Sandy Hook, if that was to happen on this school campus because the police weren't allowed to do their job because of a vaccination status, how would Angelique Sims feel? Are the lives from vaccines being saved, quote unquote, saved by the vaccine more important than lives of children trying to go to school? Is the vaccine in this police officer, seemingly healthy police officer, I would assume having this vaccine more important than saving the lives of these children? I personally don't think so. But I'm probably on the wrong side of the spectrum. When it comes to L.A. politics, I don't think I'd be very welcomed. Who knows? Where I wouldn't be welcomed is the New York City Council. Because 800,000 non-citizens can now vote in New York City elections. The New York City Council on Thursday approved a measure to allow nearly 800,000 legal non-citizens of the Metropolitans to vote in municipal elections. The measure, which would affect green green card holders and those who with work uh, authorizations, doesn't include state or federal elections. The people in the country illegally would not be allowed to vote, according to Fox 5. The city city would be the largest to allow non-citizens to vote. You enter this country, you're not a citizen, you don't go through the process of becoming a, a citizen, getting citizenship. And you're allowed to vote in the elections. And you, you, I don't know if, do green card holders pay taxes? Probably. Do green card holders pay taxes? Okay, they are. Okay. Well then, that's a little bit different. But still, non-citizens, the right of voting, the right to vote, it should be held by non-citizens and should be, or should not be held by non-citizens, should be citizens only. I'm trying to find a video from a state senate candidate who spoke about this. In a about two-minute video on Twitter, I'll play that a clip right here. Hey, guys. Uh, I just wanted to give you my thoughts and opinions about the uh, city council bill that would allow non-citizens to be able to vote in municipal elections. Uh, that means they'd be able to vote for city council, uh, public advocate, comptroller, and mayor. Um, I'm completely and totally against this bill. Uh, voting is the exclusive right of a citizen of the United States. This is Civics 101. Uh, They know this as well. The the elites and the Democrats in City Hall, they understand this perfectly well. The only reason they want this bill to pass is because they want to shore up an entire new voting bloc to solidify their single-party rule over New York City. So true. If we allow these... Illegal immigrants, or they're not legal, but these these immigrants who are not citizens, to vote in these elections, to which are more likely to vote Democrat than they are Republican, just plain and simple. The New York City will always be a Democrat stronghold. Will always have terrible policies, which allows arsonists to get out of jail without bail. Will always have these terrible policies, and will always destroy themselves from inside of the of the city, inside of City Hall. Because of who they decide, but because of who they decide to allow vote, to vote in their elections. My name is GOP Josh. We'll be right back after these messages here on the Conservative Crusader.
Hello and welcome back. This is the Conservative Crusader. Make sure you rate it five stars on Apple Podcasts. Check out my gab, which is GOP Josh at GOP Josh to be specific. Email the show, Josh at GOPJosh.com. Send in a voice request on our anchor page, anchor.fm slash the Conservative Crusader. Click the message button. Send in your thoughts to the program. Pay your own darn bills. AOC, who makes $174,000 a year, blasted for complaining about $17,000 in student loans. This is from the Daily Wire. In a recent speech on the House floor, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez called it ridiculous that she needs to pay $17,000 in student loans, although her annual salary as a member of Congress is $174,000. I'm 32 years old now. I have over $17,000 in student loan debt. I didn't go to graduate school because I knew that getting another degree would drown me in debt that I would never be able to surpass. This is unacceptable. Uh, I, don't, I really don't want to play the video. It's like five minutes long. As noted by the Foundation for Economic Education policy correspondent ba- Brad Palumo, Ocasio-Cortez earns more than double the average American household income. He also pointed that if she properly managed, her debt is all in probability very manageable. $70,000 in student loan debt sounds like a lot, but it probably only involves a monthly pay- student loan payment of $100 to $200. I know it's hard to know exactly what her payment is without being familiar with the specifics of her loan, but $100 to $200 a month is a reasonable estimate given that the average graduate owns $28,000 a month, or $28,400 in total, which, equate, which equates to a $297 monthly payment. Okay. She has a Tesla. She has a uh, 127 how, how expensive is the Tesla? I think she has a... How... Expensive is I think it's like one hundred and twenty test uh, one hundred twenty thousand dollars. AOC is Tesla. They say it's thirty five thousand dollars. I don't think that's properly. I don't think that's quite right. Maybe I'm not sure. Oh, it's a Model Three, so it's a little bit cheaper, but still, she owns a very expensive car. She doesn't have to own. She could own a Prius. She could own a, a, a Honda Civic. She could own any other car. But she wants to own luxury vehicles. She wants to have a luxurious a luxurious life on the taxpayer's dime that pays her salary. But, 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 she can't pay her own student loan debt. During her speech, Ocasio-Cortez noted that the motion that the student loan debt is for the privilege, nothing more than a false narrative. Palumo, however, explained that her position contrasts with analysis on both sides of the aisle. This part of Ocasio-Cortez's speech is simply factually false and detached from reality. No student loan debt isn't held by the children of billionaires, a straw man claim no one has ever made, but it is disproportionately held by a well-educated and thus higher-earning slice of the public. In fact, this fact is not really in dispute among serious uh, analytics. One study found that canceling all student loan debt would give the top 20% of earners six times more benefit than the bottom 20%. Even left-leaning think tanks such as the Urban Institute and the the Brookings Institution have reached similar conclusions. Pay your own darn bills, uh, Palumbo concluded on social media. Uh, Rashida Tlaib says that uh, she owes $70,000, most of it in interest. Same thing with her. She owns obviously less than AOC does, or she owns more than AOC does, but that doesn't change the argument whatsoever. Okay. AOC. Makes so much money. So much money being a congresswoman. And she can't pay her own bills. Now, if if she had $17,000 in student loan debt, 
and wasn't on such a high pedestal complaining about it, I wouldn't say as much. But oh my goodness, she complains so much about things that she, are in her control. There's no reason she can't pay her own debt before she buys an expensive Tesla vehicle. You may disagree. And to be honest, I don't know how that's a disagreeable fact. I think it's a fact that she makes a lot of money. She has the ability to pay back the debt that she takes out. I don't know. I I, I don't know. I mean, I don't have debt yet. I'm 15 years old. I'm gl- I glad I, gladly I don't have debt le- yet. But I imagine that if I had $174,000 a job, I could find a way to pay off $17,000 of debt. The Attorney General, Latita James, drops out of the New York governor race. Latita James, the Attorney General of New York, announced on Thursday that she was ending her campaign for governor and running instead for re-election, a surprising move that upended the high-profile governor's race and further solidified Governor Kathy Hochul's standing. Ms. James had just entered the race in late October on the heels of her office's devastating report on the sexual harassment claims against former Governor Andrew M. Cuomo, which led to his resignation. She was immediately treated as a top contender, buoyed by her own record and her historic bid to become the first black female governor in the country. But recent opinion polls have shown Ms. James trailing Ms. Hochul in the state's first female governor, the state's first female governor by double digits among Democratic primary voters. She was believed to be significantly, significantly behind the governor in fundraising, according to many party strategists and donors, and has struggled to secure high-profile endorsements from the politician and labor unions, union, labor unions who typically help crown winners in New York despite her years in city and state politics. I've come to the conclusion that I must continue my work as attorney general, um, barely six weeks into ensuring the race, to finish the job on several important investigations and cases under her purview. Kathy Hochul is worse than Governor Cuomo was, in my opinion. I'm not from New York, so it's not really my jurisdiction to say that, but I personally think that Kathy Hochul is worse than Andrew Cuomo. She is more left-leaning, she is more liberal, she is more, not really divisive, but she is more, she, she is more left-leaning, she is way more pro-vaccine, she is way more pro-government control, and I'm not saying that Cuomo was good, I'm not saying Cuomo was good at all, but I'm saying that <laughs> she is worse. I'm 99% sure Kathy Hochul is worse, and I think New Yorkers would agree with me on that. All right, so I am getting an email from Anchor saying that we do have a caller on the line, not really a caller on the line, but a, a pre-recorded voice message sent into the program. We're going to play here on the on the Conservative Crusader. If you want to send in your own, anchor.fm slash the Conservative Crusader. Let's play the clip. Hey, what's up, man? I just had a quick question. Uh, I was listening to the show a little bit. Um, and I was talking to my friend previously about how heavily um, social media platforms, especially Twitter, is uh, so heavily um, like on the liberal side. And my main question, uh, the social media um, platforms try to make it out as if there's more liberals than Republicans in, in the United States. And I think that's not very true at all. I think that I really feel like uh, there's a lot more Republicans in the world than there is um, Democrats, but the the social media platforms really try to um, make it as if liberals weigh weigh out Republicans a lot more, and I think that's just not true. Yeah, so I really appreciate your voice message. It says PJ on the little message, so I really appreciate that. 
And according to Gallup polling, 26% of people identify as Republican, 26 as Democrat that are registered voters, and 44% are independent. So it's pretty tied when it comes to actual numbers. But the reason that social media platforms show that and show so much more liberal bias and so many more liberal perspectives is because Twitter and Instagram and Facebook are the battlegrounds, are the are, are the town square where Trump's movement built up. They are the town square where President Trump caught his, um, his, all of his support, where a political outsider could upset the establishment. So they're hiding this information. They're, they're hiding more conservative platforms. We saw a huge nuke just a couple days ago, in case you missed that episode, of many conservative outlets, or not many, yeah, many outlets, many people, many commentators that were conservative and it, it, yes, there are about a tie, but when it comes to the online platforms, the reason Twitter, the reason Facebook, Instagram, TikTok are hiding conservative voices because that's where true change is made, where true change not only within the Republican Party, but nationwide is made with Republican politics, with conservative politics, is on the ground in the, in the current town square being social media. But Gab is trying to change that. Go follow my Gab at GOP Josh, uh, I'm also on Getter, same username. And that that's my take on that. I don't really have a lot to say, but that that's that's my thought on that is that social media platforms really don't want conservative movements to get, gain traction, so they're censoring it to make it appear as liberal policies are more, um, how do I word this, more popular. So the FDA is saying Pfizer clinical data will take 75 years to release. The FDA says, or the U.S. Food and Drug Administration has elongated its time span. It will take the public clinical data about Pfizer's COVID-19 vaccine to be released to the public. It says it will take 75 years. It's from InfoWars. After processing 12,000 pages for the vaccine in the space of two months, the agency now says it will only be able to release 500 pages a month going forward. Having asserted it will take 55 years to release the full data, the estimation has now been extended by two, two decades. Lawyers representing a group of doctors calling themselves public health and medical professionals have demanded to know why it took the FDA just 108 days to study the documents. It will take 20,000 days to make the same documents public. The FDA claims it doesn't have enough resources to accelerate the process that devoting more time to the issue would take away from other FOIA requests. Lawyer Aaron Siri described the agency's behavior as dystopian. 75 years from now. Let me Google that. What, what year will it be? A 2096. Imagine if you do a school report, because I'm a younger, so I'm going to use a younger analogy, and your teacher says, you will have your grade in 2096. You will have your information needed to improve and to see if you are correct in 2096. This is what the FDA is saying, that you don't deserve the information about what you're putting in your body, but they're going to mandate it and they're going to try to force you to get that shot anyway. My name is GOP Josh. This is the Conservative Crusader. Follow me on Gab at GOP Josh. Thank you for tuning in today. I'll be back Monday with a brand new episode, hopefully analyzing the Texas abortion um, Supreme Court case a little bit more. Stay tuned. (laughs) 